Now, Pastor Rick will come and share the last message in the Chasing God series, Covenant Relationship. Morning, everyone. All right. We, uh, I've got a lot of things to say about stuff you just saw on the screen, but I'm not going to say it this morning because we've got a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of exciting things going on, and the uh, church has been uh, involved in missions since its uh, beginning. I mean, we've, we dug a well in Romania uh, a couple of years ago, so some awesome things, but Got this uh, new thing coming up this summer. I want to say more about a lot of those things next week. But this morning, we've been focusing for getting right here. Right here at the Ark of the Covenant. This morning's sermon is Covenant Relationship. And we're going we're gonna to get into prayer pretty quick here in a second. But I, I want to say that I want to I ask every leader in the church, in the church, I want to ask you to make sure you're in here. If you've got to go to the restroom, do it now while we pray, slip out. I want you to be here at the close of this message. Uh, uh, you know, and if at all possible, I want all the, uh, the shock and awe team to be, be here the last 10, 15 minutes, all the, uh, the worship team to be in here the last 10 or 15 minutes. I didn't give them a heads up. I was just sitting there and said, they've got to be here for this closing today in this message. Worship team, make sure you're here for the close of this message. And uh, leaders do as well, because I, I, I just I just feel like we we've got to we got to take a hold of this. I've preached. This is the fourth week I've preached on chasing God. Has anything changed in your life? If it hasn't, then either you or me is messing up. Either I'm not doing the job of presenting to you how you approach and you chase after God, or you're not whatever it is you're not doing. Something should change. You cannot get closer to God and your life remain the same. It's impossible. There's no way. You know, some people, when they, get, when they start getting closer to God, they actually get meaner. They actually turn a little bit away from God because they, as they start, you know, people start drawing them close to God, they say, I, I don't want that, and they get meaner, and then they turn and walk away from God. But you cannot get closer to God and something in your life not change. So, Take today, and we've, we've done four weeks in chasing God. We're wrapping it up today. Take today, and you've got to make some giant steps forward. If, you, if, you've, if you've not been doing this, you've got to make some giant steps today. All right, yeah, I'm going to challenge you this morning. This is awesome. Where we're getting to, where, where, we're, where we're at right here, right now, this is awesome today. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, I thank you, God. I thank you, Lord, that this was not my idea to chase after you. This was not my idea to draw close to you. This was not my idea to be in covenant relationship with you. This was your idea, God. I thank you, Lord, that, that you've chosen, you've chosen us to be close to you, God. You wanted this. This is why you created man, God. You had this empty place in your heart that you wanted somebody to fill and you created all of mankind. And God, I, I just, I just ask you, help us, help us see that and get beyond all the other stuff and, and really, God, build covenant relationship with you. I pray in Jesus' name that this be, this, this just be a, a tremendous, awesome move, God, of, of, of your spirit, but of your people, God, into your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. You can do better than that. Everybody said, y'all know what that means, right? That means what he said, I agree with. That's what that, amen, okay? So you're just saying, I agree. So you say it one more time. Everybody said, 
I agree. Okay, now let's preach. Okay, I want, I want to share with you, and I, I kind of messed the guys up, and, and I, I gave them a, a, a wrong cue on a video or something and kind of messed them up, so I'm going to have to do a little bit something real quick. Go ahead, Justin, if you will, to start this video. That, uh, we're in the holiest uh, holies right now, and as you see the, the veil there, I want to just mention to you the veil, okay? The veil was the thing that stood between the most holy place and the, uh, and the rest of the world, really. It's where the Ark of the Covenant was. This is the place we want to get to. It's right here at this Ark. We're going to preach about this Ark. That's, that's the whole focal point. I mean, you see the big, these big angelic cherubim, these huge guys standing over it, and, and they're like protecting it. But this veil, I just got to mention this veil to you just real briefly, that only, only one person could go beyond the veil and into that room up next to this Ark of the Covenant. Only one person could. And it could only go one time a year. And when he went, into this place, when he went beyond the veil, he had to carry the blood from the sin offering. A couple of weeks ago, remember that sermon? He had to carry the blood of the sin offering. And if he didn't, he could be struck dead by God. I mean, that's what God said would happen. He said, if you don't bring in the blood, because you can't go in before God this close to God and get here without your sins being forgiven. That's basically what he's teaching us. And so that's why it's important. We preached three sermons already just getting to this place. And that's why it's important that you don't skip any of those weeks. You need to be handling week one, week two, and week three. And, 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 and you know, I, I said this in the early service. So let me say it again. You know, if you've, if you've missed a week or two of this and you didn't go, you know, thank God for technology. Aren't y'all, don't y'all like technology some days? You know, not all days, right? But some days, I mean, the, the days that you can't get through to AT&T or Charter or whoever it is, you know, that, and some, some of those aren't. But, you know, thank God for technology because, you know what, if you're sick and you miss a, miss a sermon, you know what you can do? You can go home and you can listen to it on the podcast. And, and this, this is one of those because, you know, if, if you've only heard a couple of messages in this series, and I've got, got several of you that have had to miss a, ser- a sermon in, this la- in the last three or four weeks, if you, if you miss one and you don't go back and get it, you know what you're going to do? You're going to be skipping places. You're going to be skipping steps to get to this place. And you know what? You're going you're gonna to say, man, this don't work. What that pastor said, it doesn't work. Because I tried it, but you're only trying, you know, steps two and steps four. And, and listen, it's, it's, it's not as complicated as I make it sound. But if you're not doing some things that you need to be doing, and you don't know what those things are, because you can't come to this place, you can't go beyond the veil unless you've got the blood in your hand. And the blood was from the second sermon, which was uh, the, the sin sacrifice. If you don't, as that sermon said, if you don't stop, if you have not stopped at the, at the altar of sacrifice, the altar of repentance, and ask God to, sh- to take that blood that was shed and, and to just pour it over you and wash away your sins. If you've not done that, then you can't get here. So, so if you, if you missed that second week, then go listen to the podcast. If you missed the first week about, uh, God said, no one is to appear before me empty handed. And we, we take that on the next step. And, you know, we're in the New Testament now. And so no one is to appear before God empty handed or empty hearted. I mean, we're supposed to have our hands and our hearts full because we've been thinking about him and preparing for this day all week long. We don't just get up and in 15 minutes we're ready to run out the door and come to church. I mean, that's the way a lot of people do it. But that's not what we're supposed to be doing. You need, if you missed that first sermon, you need to go get that one on the podcast. And last week, if you hadn't been in the sanctuary, been in the holy place to, to make your prayers and supplications known and, and, and to tell him all those things, and you need to get that because you're missing the parts of, of getting, and you can't get here without that, okay? You, you've got to back up and do the things that you need. So, so go home and listen to the podcast if you missed any of those weeks. Because today, now we're here. Here's the place I've been. This is the place that I, 
the, this, in the early service when, when, when the announcements finished and that picture of the Ark of the Covenant came up, I just got so excited because it's where we've been trying to get to. And, 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 and you know, if you do everything else but you don't get here, if your life is not being changed, if something's not changing in your life the last four weeks of this, if, if you're just listening to words, you're just listening to a message, and it's not changing you, you're missing the whole point. The point is to get here. It's not about the first week. It's not about the, it's not about the third week. It's not about it. It is about coming into covenant relationship with God. That's, that's, that's what it's all about. And, and you know, if, if, if you don't develop this, this covenant relationship with God, then, you know, you're like, you're like a kid that goes out for spring training and, and goes through all the two-a-days in the summer. And then on the day that the season begins, he goes and buys a ticket and sets up in the stands. I mean, that wasn't the purpose, was it? I mean, the purpose is, is, is to get in the game and to be a part of all of it. And God wants to have covenant relationship with you. And that doesn't mean a friendship. You know what a friendship is, don't you? It's something you pick up when it's convenient and you sit down when it's not. That's, that's basically what a, a friendship is, right? I mean, you, you screen your calls and you listen to, you know, you, you answer when you want to. But no, it's got to be beyond that. It's covenant relationship like a marriage is. You know what that is, don't you? When you're married, you're married every single day of the week. You're married every single moment of every single day of the week. That's what covenant relationship is. And that's what God wants to have with you. And that's where we've been going in our chasing after God. And so something, something's got to be changing in our life if this is happening to us. And so now let's look at this ark. There are two aspects of the ark. And I want to read some scripture to you back to Exodus chapter 25 where we read last week about these articles that were in the sanctuary, in the holy place. And now let's read about the, this last one. And this is the place. This is the one. So there's two aspects we're going to read. And uh, I, had to, I had to skip an entire end of my sermon in the early service. I'm going to have to skip some stuff here at the beginning just to get there. And I, if we get two good recordings, I'm hoping we can put both of these on there. So if you're here this service, go listen to the podcast, the first one, because I'm going to have to run through some stuff at the beginning. And here's what God told Moses. Moses is up on the mount. You remember where, where God gives him the tabernacle, or I'm sorry, the, temp, uh, the, um, uh, the Ten Commandments. He gives them on the tablets, and, and he gives up. This is what God, God is talking to him right here. At the time he's giving him the Ten Commandments, uh, right before he does that, he tells him about building all this stuff. And so now he's talking about the ark. And he says, and they shall make an ark of acacia wood. Two and a half cubits shall be its length, a cubit and a half its width, a cubit and a half its height. And you shall overlay it with pure gold. Inside and out you shall overlay it. And shall make on it a molding of gold all around. So gold, gold, gold. You shall cast four rings of gold for it and put them in its four corners. Two rings shall be on one side and two rings on the other side. And you can kind of see them right there where the poles are going through. You shall make poles of acacia wood. You overlay them with gold. And you shall put the poles into the rings on the sides of the ark that the ark may be carried by them. So we're going to handle this very carefully. It's very important how we handle this. And the poles should be in the rings of the ark. They shall not be taken from it. So the poles stayed there all the time. So it's kind of a reminder to you of, you know, make sure you handle this in the right way. And God says, inside it, you shall put into the ark the testimony which I will give you. Okay, and he's talking about the Ten Commandments on the tablets that God is going to carve for him. And he says, you shall make a mercy seat of pure gold. And he's talking about the top now. It's the lid, the cover. Two and a half cubits shall be its length and a cubit and a half its width. So he's talking about the size there. And you shall make two cherubim of gold. And he's talking about these two cherubim on the top. You see them in the background. You see them a little better a little later. Of hammered work, you shall make them at the two ends of the mercy seat or the lid of, of the ark. Make one cherub at one end and the other cherub at the other end. You shall make the cherub at the two ends of the one piece of it, of one piece with the mercy seat. And the cherubim shall stretch out their wings above, covering the mercy seat with their wings. You see their wings stretched out. They shall face one another. The faces of the cherubim shall be toward the mercy seat. 
You shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark, and in the ark you shall put the testimony that I will give you. So again, he's saying this is what you're going to put the lid on there, but before you put the lid on, I'm going to give you this, ark, this covenant. And he says, and there God says, I will meet with you, and I will speak with you from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim, which are on, which are on the ark of the testimony, about everything which I give you in commandment to the children of Israel. Okay, so two aspects of it. Let me hurry through this first one right here, and it's the contents of the ark. Three things are in the ark. Right now God says, I want you to put the, the, uh, the Ten Commandments commandments in there, this uh, uh, testament that I'm about to give you. And, and we call it like the Old Testament. I mean, that's what this basically was, the Ten Commandments. And so the Ten Commandments, they tell us, what they're telling us this by being in there is that this covenant relationship is a covenant relationship of righteousness. Righteousness. You know what righteousness is? God says, be holy as I am holy. And, and you know what? I mess up. Anybody here ever mess up? Is uh, a pastor the only one that messes up? And you know what happens when I mess up? If I mess up with my wife, who I'm also in covenant relationship with, I don't go on with my day like everything's okay. If I mess up in, yeah, somebody chuckled over there, didn't you? Yeah. I know better than, and you know what? In being in relationship with God, I know better than to live in rebellion against Him or to do something that He's displeasing with and, and then just go on about my day like nothing happened. No, I know, you know what? I'm, you know, I might show up with flowers or I might show up with candy or some of those, you know, I might do some, one of those things when I walk in the door and David says, okay, what'd you do wrong? Or what's wrong? What's happening right here? Exactly because I'm in covenant relationship with this woman and I've met messed up. And so I fixed that. And so this is telling us that our covenant relationship with God is about righteousness. The second thing that is in there is the, is the rod of Aaron. There's an entire sermon there about the rod of Aaron. I don't have time to explain any of it right here. It's just, except let me just say this. It is a symbol of calling of God choosing the person that he needs to do the thing that he needs to do. And, and, and I've got a friend that, uh, he's a minister and he's got other ministers in his family. He says, he says, I've got a brother. And he says, he, he says, I don't, I will not get right with God because I know if I get right with God, he'll call me into the ministry. You know what? He's exactly right because every person that gets, that gets right with God, you're going to get called in the ministry. You know why? And I'm not talking about being a preacher or pastor or an evangelist. Or, or even maybe even a teacher, because the reason you're going to get called in ministry is because every person that was ever born was created to do something for God. It's one of our core values. One of our core statements around here at 2911 is that everybody has something to do for God. And every person that was ever born, you were created and you were designed in the image of God, but you were designed to do something for Him. And yes, when you start getting closer to God, you're going to find out the thing that God has called and gifted you to do. And the third thing that is going to be in the ark, and, and this is a little bit later because they don't have this yet, but it's the pot of manna. And the pot of manna symbolizes provision. Now, here, here's a cool thing. Oh, I, I, I really need to skip this, but you want to hear it, don't you? Uh, let me say it. Here's a cool thing. How many times have we talked? We've talked about This is the third time provision has come up in these sermons. When we talked on the first week, we know, talk about coming and bringing our gift to God. Nobody has appeared empty-handed. And you know what? We talked about provision. There, there's provision in that because when you pay your tithes, what does he say he'll do? He'll open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on you such that you cannot contain. You cannot even hold all of it. And those. And last week we talked about provision as well because the table of showbread, you remember that? That, that table there that had the bread on it, that was a sign of God's provision for the nation of Israel. And every time a priest walked by and saw the bread on the table, he could just say, mm, 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 God has been good to us in Israel because he's provided. And now here's 
the third time in this, in this chasing after God, here are three times that we find out that God is providing when we're first getting started in the middle of our journey. And now at the end, we're finding out that God is always our provider. Amen. That's good stuff, isn't it? But here's the, th- here's one thing I, I throw at you. The, maybe one of the most important things you need to understand about the contents of the ark is what is not in the ark. You know what's not in the ark? God. God is not in the ark. You can't put him in a box. Israel made that mistake. Uh, you, you need to go check that out sometime. When Hophni and Phinehas picked up the ark, the box, the ark, and they tried to take it into battle. They made the mistake thinking that God was in the box. God's not in the box. He is over the box. That's where he told Moses he would be, is, is his presence would hover. He is not the God. You can't put him in your box. And I can't put him in. He doesn't fit in that. He said he will not dwell in a temple. He will not dwell in a box made out of man's hands. That's not where, he is not a God in a box. He is the God over the box, and thank God that he is. I don't need a God in a box. But a lot of people, they got, a, they got this God that's in their box, and it's almost like he's a trinket or he's a relic. He's a, he's a thing they take down off the mantle and kind of play with him for a little while on Sundays. And then, you know, about 12, 12, 15 on Sunday, they stick him back up on the mantle, and, you know, and we'll pick you up next time we need you, God. And that's the way some people's relationship. But God wants covenant relationship with us. I said I wasn't going to preach that point. And man, I just about preached all of the contents anyway. Okay, the second aspect of this art is the covering, the cover of it. The, the first aspect was the, was the contents. Now we're talking about the cover, okay? And the cover was the mercy seat. I mean, actually, the lid of the thing was called the mercy seat. And then we've got these two angels, these two cherubs that are they're, they're bowing down before him. They've got their, their our wings spread out because they are honoring God. God. This was the place that God's presence would come. And he would come and, and actually connect with man. There, there were times in the Old Testament that his presence was so strong, it was visible. And they call that the Shekinah, uh, glory of God. And it was visible actually in this place and sometimes even in other parts of the temple. But this would be the place. It's right here on that lid. And, and the two the two angels were, were spreading out their wings as, as, as they were hallowing and honoring him and bowing before him. You know, uh, there's a place in Psalm 22 verse 3 and it says that he is the God who is enthroned on the praises of Israel you know that's that's a picture of what we're seeing right here how do we get God into our life you know you want you want God to show up start bragging on him you know I mean you're that way aren't you I mean you know somebody starts bragging on you if you hear somebody just four or five feet away from you start bragging on you what do you do do you say oh I don't want to hear it no you don't do you I mean you start whoa wait, wait a minute I can't talk right now somebody's bragging on me that's what God does. God is a jealous God. He wants to be praised. He wants, when somebody starts bragging on him, you know, God's like, well, wait a minute. I got to go hear this. And God comes and he sits. That's what he's doing here. He is coming into the place of praise because these people didn't just show up and say, let's throw an ark together. No, they went through all these steps, the, the steps of these last three weeks that we've talked about. They've built this. They've created this. And they have approached God in the proper way. And so when they got there, guess what? God shows up. He shows up and his, and his presence is there and his power is there. And here's the thing. You know, too many of us, we approach, we approach this whole thing. I, I can't believe the people that I've heard say, I just can't wait to get to church Sunday because I, I got to touch God. You know, it's like that, uh, that old song that I heard growing up all of my life. I've probably heard it a hundred times or even more. Uh, I call it, uh, he touched me. Oh, he touched me. People my age and maybe a little younger. Y'all know what I'm talking about. That whole song. And I don't know exactly what the writer meant, but I know how most Christians have sung that song or listened to it or joined along. They thought, I came to a place one time in a service where God just touched me and it was wonderful. 
And it's like a memory of a, of a specific... That's not God's will for your life. He doesn't want to just touch you at times. You know, most of us, we've got a relationship with God kind of like the, the woman with the issue of blood. You remember her? She, she had had a, an infirmity for 12 years and the doctor, she had spent all of her money on the doctors. And so one day Jesus comes down the street of her town and he's, he's surrounded by a whole bunch of people. And she says, you know, if I, can just get, if I can just get close enough, if I can battle through this crowd and just get close enough to touch the hem of his garment... I think I'll be made whole. And so she did. She touched his garment and healing virtue, the word says, came out of Jesus and touched her body. And she was made whole immediately, instantly like that. And you know what? There was a, a little bit of a, of a dialogue there between her and Jesus, the disciples and some things. And some of that went on. But then it was over and Jesus left town and went on. And some of us were living our life just like the woman with the issue of blood. I mean, it's like we, we just kind of want to touch. If I can just touch God or if he could just touch me, can I tell you something? What I need God to do in my life, and I'm not just talking about my personal life. I'm talking about as pastor of church 2911. Listen, I am not here for a little bit of a, a feel good. I, I'm not here to, to, to develop, build, create, raise up a church that is just Another one of anything else going on. I mean, God didn't call us to just be, you know, a copy of something else down the road. There's a specific purpose that we have as Church 2911 to reach our community. And you know what? I can't reach our community. You can't reach our community. You can't reach the people around you by just having a relationship with God that is a touch him for a moment and another touch him for another moment. We need a God that is part of our life every day of our life. You know, here's what he says he does is he says, you remember the scripture from last week when, when it talked about the priests who, when they went into the temple, they were in there and not into this place because they could only go one time a year, but they were in the temple all the time. And every day they were doing the same things over and over and over every because, you know, the blood of bulls and goats could not take away sin. And so they were doing that constantly. But Jesus Christ, remember the scripture said this? After he had sacrificed his life and he had poured out his blood, he went one time into the holy place, this most holy place, the holy of holies. He went one time and, and he took his blood. And when he did, you know what it said he did? It said he sat down. He went in and he, there was no more work that he had to do. He sat down. And you know what? This, that's what I need. I don't need a God who shows up on I don't need a God who passes through the streets of my town every once in a while. I need a God to come into my life and sit down. I've got, I've got needs in my life. I've got, I've got family members that, that I'm worried about. I've, I've got, I've got kids and, and grandkids that, that, you know, that I look at this world that they're growing up in and I, you know, I don't need a God to show up in a couple of weeks. I need a God that lives with them. I need a God to sit down in my life and I need him to, to show up every day. I need to be in covenant relationship with him. And you know, in the middle of the night, I said this and I've said it many times before, but you know, in the middle of the night, you know, if I, if I were to find out when my kids were small that, you know, they had a fever in the middle of the night or now I've got grandkids and, and sometimes they stay with us overnight and God forbid if, if I were to check on them in the middle of the night and they weren't breathing or, or something be terribly wrong with them, you know what? I, I don't want to back up to our day one, day two, and day three that we preached about this past week. I don't want to be like the woman with the issue of blood who's got to fight through all that stuff that's around, that's between me and Jesus. You know where I want to be? I want to be right here at the ark. I want to be in covenant relationship as close as I can be so I don't have to, I don't have to introduce myself to him. I don't have to ask him to forgive me of anything that I've done wrong yesterday. I don't have to, I don't have to say, God, I know I haven't been obeying you like I should. Maybe I've walked in a little. I don't want, I want to be right 
right here so I can just whisper a prayer and immediately he, he brings what I need to do into his life. I don't need a pass by God. I need a God who will come and sit down. And the way to make that happen is to develop covenant relationship with him. And every day of your life, honor him as he chooses to be honored. And how do we know how to do that? We've been studying it the last three weeks. If that's the kind of God you need, listen, that's the kind of God i got to have in my life. It's got to be that. It's got to be more. It's got to be all of it. And I know some people are scared of the throne of God. They're scared of it because, you know, and we say he was enthroned on the praise of it. They're scared of the throne of God because isn't God a God of judgment? Well, I've been, that's not what I've been preaching, is it? So which is it, Pastor? It's both. And you get to decide. Because we're not talking about a temple made with man's hand. Where's the temple today? Where's the temple today? Right here. Come on, pat yourself on the chest there, right here. This is the temple. That's the temple. And so you know what happens? If your temple is walking in opposition to God's will, he is not residing in your temple as a God of mercy and grace and blessing and honor and good stuff. But if your temple is walking in direction and completion of the will of what he has for you and the things he wants to do, then you're walking in a good place. And he is being enthroned because you are bringing honor to him. And that's where, that's where he builds his throne. And so now you've got a throne inside of you that he sits on. And he remains on. It's not a day, it's not a day-to-day thing. It's an everyday thing. It's an every moment thing. And this is, this is the place that we've got to get to. On the, the cover, the mercy seat to, to this place. I may have to skip some things here, Justin. If I throw you a curve, I'm sorry. Let me, let me take you, let me take you to this right here. Why is a 3,000 year old temple important? You know, that might have been a question some of you asked when I announced this series. We're going to do a Chasing God series, and we're going to, we're going to use the temple. A temple of Solomon that was created, uh, that Solomon built, the very first temple God had. Now, he had a tabernacle. It was just a, just a tent, basically, a big, huge tent. The first temple was developed by Solomon, and, and, and all the video and the computer animation that we've been using is of the temple of Solomon. And, but it was destroyed because Israel rebelled against God and God destroyed it. And then it was rebuilt in the time of Jesus, which was really before Jesus got there, and in the time of Herod, the Herods. So it was called Herod's Temple because that's when it was built. It was also destroyed when Rome finally got tired of a lot of, uh, a lot of rebellion that was going on in Israel. And so they came in and they destroyed the temple. Okay, so, but why is a 3,000, Solomon's Temple, why is a 3,000-year-old temple important to me and you? Three reasons. One is, it is our blueprint. How do I know how to get God into my life in a covenant relationship way? I've been telling you for three, three weeks. It, it, we, we see it in the temple. This is what God was doing is he was giving us a blueprint. We talk about the Old Testament being a foreshadow of the New Testament. You know what that means? But, uh, you know, if you don't really understand it being a foreshadow, a shadow that happens before, call it a blueprint. That's what it is. It's a blueprint. How to get to God. It's the, it, everything in the Old Testament is a blueprint of the New Testament. And so now our old covenant has become a new covenant through Jesus Christ. And the Word of God didn't say, as a matter of fact, it did say that He did not come to do away with the old covenant, but to fulfill it into a new covenant by His own blood. 
And so we get that, that's the first reason that this 3,000 year old temple is important to us because it shows us the way, the, the things we've been preaching to you the past three weeks are the ways that we have to come to God. We, we approach Him. We, we come near to Him. We make the first stop at, at the, at the altar of repentance and asking for His blood to cover ours. And we, we go into the holy place and we start rea- interacting with Him and relating with Him and developing relationship through our prayers and our worship and our glory. And now we, we can come into this place. We can move on in. I mean, it's, it's our blueprint. But secondly, why is this? This could be just a little off subject here, just a little bit. I mean, it's not, it's not necessarily in the, in the mode of where we're going so much, but it's something I've got to mention to you while we're here. In, in Jerusalem, go ahead. I, I hope, do we have a video? Thank you. Okay, good. I was worried since I messed up the other one. This is, uh, this is the Temple Institute of, in Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, the Temple Institute, this is in their museum. And they've got all these, these, these pieces. These, were, these are the articles like that Solomon made. And, and, and the priests and the workers in the time of Herod they made. This is a table of showbread. A little different than the one we saw in our community. But nobody knows exactly what it looked like. And God, this is the menorah. And... Coming up next is, uh, oh yeah, the, the golden altar of incense that we preached about last week. And all of these things. But here's, here's the coolest thing about all of this. That's the priest's garment. Is these are not copies. They're not museum pieces. They have been created to actually be used in temple worship. They're being created, and all these things. And Levites are being trained. They are already trained. There are Levite priests trained in Israel today, ready to start temple worship. And here's the model. This is, this is not just a model just so we can say, oh, here's what it looked like. I mean, the reason, if you go Google uh, Jerusalem Temple, and because here, you know what these are? These are, uh, these are the uh, foundation stones cornerstones that have been that have been cut and Israel has twice at least twice I don't know has has loaded them on a truck to take them up to the temple mount and been stopped by the Israeli army twice and they're getting ready to build this not Solomon's temple not Herod's temple but a third temple a third temple is ready to be built they've got it all together the the, the people that are at the at the temple institute in Jerusalem say we could start tomorrow they say we could start uh, uh, temple worship tomorrow we could start sacrificing animals they said so we've got men trained that know how to do all the sacrificing we know that they know how to offer the incense they know all the prayers they know all this they said we're we're ready to do that right now but it's the third temple and the reason it's so important is because the third temple will come at the coming of the lord I don't know if it happens right before the coming of the Lord or right after the coming of the Lord, but it is one of the signs that's going to happen. And, and, and so you need to understand this. is one of the reasons we need to study about this 3,000-year-old this temple is because plans are already in, in effect today. Uh, way beyond plans, I mean, they're prepared, they're ready to go. That the, this third temple, I mean, this, that's the, the second, second reason for that a 3,000 year old temple is important is because of the third temple. And you need to understand that is this thing is ready. I, I, I mean, there's so many things that are happening and, and that's why we're doing this thing. Please email me your questions. I want you to be here starting Wednesday week, not this Wednesday, but Wednesday week. Email me your questions. I want to teach, I want to teach you about all these things. All this stuff that's going on in the Middle East right now, the stuff that's going on with, with gas, oil prices that's going on, that's not something we need to be, uh, really overly bothered about. It's something we need to look at and say, wait a minute, this is stuff that's going to happen in the last days. And so are we living in the last days? Email me those questions because we need to talk about it. And that's 
That's the reason why a 3,000-year-old temple is important. But here's the third reason, and maybe, maybe, maybe even more important to me and you, is because it is a copy. This 3,000-year-old temple was a copy of a temple in heaven that is a real temple. There's a real temple in heaven where God sits on a throne. I don't have time to read you all these verses of Scripture, but just a few verses of Scripture from the book of Hebrews, and you'll see this, this, this temple right here, uh, chapter 8, is it, in chapter 9? Since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law, these uh, who serve the copy and the shadow, okay, these priests of the Old Testament, of that old temple, they serve the copy and the shadow of the heavenly things. As Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle, when he was up in the, uh, the mount with God and God was giving him the Ten Commandments and telling him how to make all these articles, as God was instructing him when he was about to make the tabernacle, for he, that's talking about God, capital H there, God said this to Moses, see that you make all things in this tabernacle, which was before Solomon's temple, see that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. God showed him a pattern. What was the pattern then? It says, for Christ has not entered... The holy places made with hands, which are copies of the truth. Jesus, there was a temple. Herod's temple was actually there when Jesus was alive. But Jesus never went into that temple. He didn't enter into the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the truth, but into the heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. It said he didn't enter into the one made with man's hands because those were only copies of the truth. There, there is a true temple. There is a true temple in, in heaven. There, there is a, a true place. That when, when we read the scriptures last week of, of, the, of the angels who, who are taking the prayers of the saints and presenting them to God, it was, it was the exact same. It, it, the image that you get is the exact same image of the priests who were, were bringing in the incense and presenting it on the golden altar of incense. Why? Because it's the same thing. There is a place in heaven that this whole series, all, all this stuff we've been looking at and talking about in the last four weeks now, there's a place in heaven that is the real that this is the copy of. And that's why a 3,000-year-old temple is important. It's because we need to understand this. Is he's not invited us into a temple. You see, this, this is somewhat of a temple. He's not invited us into a temple. He has invited us into his throne room. The place where God sits. The place where he rules the universe. He has invited us in. That's what, that's what this is all about, is it's not a temple. The temple is a, is a man-made copy of a true throne room somewhere in the heavens, in the heavenlies, in, in a spirit realm somewhere that you and I cannot attain yet. And so he doesn't invite us. He's invited us to his throne room. And in inviting us to the throne room, remember the word he used, how we should come? Not timidly. Not afraid. Not fearful. Not with doubt. But he said boldly approach his throne of grace and find help in your time of need. Boldly approach. See, this is, this is something 
totally different than anything else around. Uh, uh, you know, with, there's several things that we, we've talked about the last three weeks, and, and we see them in, a, in some way repeated here, but it's more than just repeated here. I mean, it's completed here. It's perfected here at the place of covenant relationship. For example, the provision. I kind of teased you a little bit with that earlier. About We've talked about provision three times. But you know, the first two provisions are things that you kind of do for yourself in a little bit, but now we're at a place, you know, the pot of manna. You remember how the manna got to them? That they had a pot of manna to keep in there as a reminder of the provision. They didn't see it. They just remembered it was in there because nobody could go and look in the, in the box anyway. But they had this pot of manna. And you remember what, how did they get the manna? They worked for it? Did they work for it? Did they grow the flower? No, the manna was what God, he, he rained it down out of heaven when they were in a wilderness and they could not find food for themselves. And God rained manna down out of heaven. You know what? You know what he's telling us here? There's something different about the provision here in the covenant relationship place than the provision that when I pay my tithes, then God will bless me. Or, or when I, when I pray as I, as I do in the sanctuary last week that God will hear me and bless me. There's something different here in this place because in those two places, the bread that we see there and the stuff that we bring there is stuff that we, we take with our hands and we make and we bake it and we create it and we bring it to God. But this is, this is a provision that God brings. And you know what? There's a lot of times I just need God to kind of, kind of just, Kind of just straighten something out. Maybe give me a, a little bit of favor, you know, with a, you know, I'm going in for an interview tomorrow and I need a little favor here or a little something. Open a little door for me. But let me tell you something. There are some times in my life, financially speaking, or there's been some times in my life, physically, health-wise speaking, that I didn't need God to just do a little something. I didn't need him to tweak a doctor's report. I needed God to show up with his powerful, awesome ability to heal, to save, to deliver, to meet my financial. I needed, I needed and that's, that's what the pot of manna symbolizes in here. It's not just provision, but it is provision beyond a scope that most of us have ever understood. We've, beyond anything we've ever seen, that, that, that it just appears out of nowhere that there is miracle. And let me tell you, this thing I was talking about just a little while ago of this, this raising church 2911, it's, it's not about let's, we need a little bit of God. You know, we need a lot of God because this is going to take miracles. This is going to take believing. This is going to take having faith. We need some people to, to, to look again back to the covenant relationship and say, I believe God can do everything that he said he wanted to do through us in developing and building and raising and creating this, this, this place that he's chosen to call a church 2911. He said, I need, I need more than that. But there's more than that in the, in, in this place, this place of covenant relationship. There's also the only light in there was God. He created, you know, when the computer animation showed us as we were swinging around and we, and we saw that light, that was the only light. That was God's presence showing up in there. That's what the, uh, that's what the graphic artist was trying to portray through that, you know. I, nobody knows what it really looked like, but that was the only light. This is important because you remember last week as we talked about in the sanctuary, there was light which symbolized what? It symbolized truth. It symbolized giving direction and light in the darkness. But you know what? There's a lot of times that God speaks to us and we're kind of, is that really God? Come on, anybody besides pastor feel that way? And you're wondering, you really need to know and you need to hear something from God. And, and, and there's, but there's so many other things going on around you and people are telling you so many different things. And you, know, and you turn on the radio and you hear one guy preach this. You turn on the TV and you hear somebody else preach this. And you come to church and the pastor preaches this. And so you got the, all this light coming from all these different directions. And, and, you know, and your friends are telling you, well, this scripture. And somebody else is telling you this. And somebody's telling you, don't even worry about scripture at all. And you got all this, this light and 
and understanding coming into your life and you don't really know what the will of God is for your life, well, guess what? In this place, there's only one light. And God, that's what God says. I want to bring you into a place of covenant relationship with me that we are so close that, that, that I will be the only voice and the only, the only light that you hear. You remember what God said to Moses there? He said, here is the place where I will speak with you. It'll not be a, I think so. God says, I want to bring you into a place where you and I have such a relationship that I can speak to you and you will hear me and you will know that it is my voice. And this all happens right here in this covenant relationship place. Because here's the difference in it. Is, is this difference right here. Is everything else is about what God does. I mean, you go to the inner court, and we're talking about salvation and cleansing and washing away our sins, right? That's what God does. We go into the, the sanctuary, the holy place. It's all about what God does. He provides for us the table of showbread. He gives us direction and guidance, the candlesticks or, or the lampstands. He meets our needs or he answers our prayers, the golden altar of incense. But this place right here, it's not about what he does. It's about who he is. And there's a whole lot of people. I'm closing now. So cut off your timers on me, okay? Can't count any more time. If it takes me 20 minutes to close, you can't count that against me, okay? Because we got a landing to take right here. I don't, I don't want anybody to move just yet. But we're closing. We've got too many people in church world today that are happy just bringing their tithes and sitting down and saying, I did my thing. Too many people in Christianity today that they went to the altar of repentance, got saved, and that's enough. I don't need any more of God than that. Don't mess up my life, God. I, I, I just don't want to go to hell. I just want, just want to sit right here. Too many people that they, they visit the sanctuary last week. They visit the sanctuary. They just say, God, I got these needs, I got this need, I got this need. And then they walk back out the door and it's over, just like the woman with the issue of blood. And you know what? I'm not saying any of those people are going to hell. Well, some of them are sitting right here on these chairs. I'm not saying you're going to hell for that. But we can't build a church out of leaders like that. You can't build a family. And the awesome beauty of what God has provided in family covenant relationship outside of what, of what I just spoke of. You can't build a family that way, sir. You can't build a family that way, ma'am. Those of you who aren't married yet, listen, you will never build a great family. You'll never have a great marriage. You just show up every once in a while to tell God what you want. You just, just, just show up and say, save me, God, but I don't want you to mess with my life. Your life needs messing with because you've messed it up and you need God to mess it up a little bit more so you can straighten it out. You need him to mess with it. You'll never have a great marriage. You will not raise great kids. If you raise great kids and you do it, if your, your kids ended up being great Christian men and women of God and you do it without having covenant relationship as a parent yourself, it will be in spite of you and not because of you. I, I, don't, I, I don't want to run anybody off today. I want you to keep coming. I want to keep pushing you to covenant relationship. I'll tell you this, we cannot do what God has called us to do as a church 
That's why I ask. I want. I hope every leader is here in the sanctuary. I want to, I'm telling you right now, we cannot do what God has called us to do as a church with leaders that are not in covenant relationship with God. And that means touching all the bases. I don't, I don't want, I don't want to try to approach that place without a worship team that is in covenant relationship with God. Because I don't want to get struck dead. You know, he doesn't really do that so much anymore physically like he actually did in the Old Testament. But I don't want him to kill my spirit either. I don't want him to strike dead what I've been working to build and what I've been trying to, by following after a worship team that doesn't have covenant relationship. That's why I ask for the worship team and the leaders to be here at the end of this message. Because I want you to lead us to repentance, leaders. I want you to lead us to repentance, worship team. This is a picture of God's throne room. And you know what you do in a throne room? You don't come in and shout and rejoice. You come in and fall on your face. You genuflect. You bow your knee. You say, I am in the throne room. I'm here to give honor. I'm here to give worship. This is normally the time I say, let's all stand and let's all come to the front. We'll close. We're not going to do that this way this morning. We're going to come to the front this morning. And if you can come and bow, and if you can't come sit on the front row with us, we're going to, this morning we're coming to the throne room and we're going to approach it the right way. And we're going to repent of skipping day one, day two, and day three, all these other steps of stuff. We're going to repent of running by and, and, and not trying to keep ourselves cleansed and, and living however we want to and being rebellious. We're going to repent over, over showing up empty-handed. We're going to repent over not coming to the sanctuary and saying, God, I, I, I don't want to just have a touch. I want you. I want you. I've got to have leaders. Listen, I've got to have leaders doing that. I've got to have staff members doing that. I've got to have skippers. The skippers of our teams, they've got to have. They've got to have that kind of a covenant relationship that says, I don't want to touch. I want to hear your voice every morning. If I start to stray, I want to feel your hand just kind of push me back in line. As Jabez prayed, God, I want you to just take me by the hand. I mean, you need to think about what that means. I want you to lead me. We've got to have that. And so I asked this morning, would you... Help this, listen, going deeper is not, it's not a motto. It's not, it's not a phrase. It's not something to stir you up. It's something to challenge you. And as, and as one member of this church, if I go deeper, church gets a little deeper. But if I could find five, or 10, 20, 50, oh God. We could get 170, every one of us, to go deeper. Then how deep could we be? Leaders, skippers, worship team, get up and come to this altar and begin repenting for us. And ask God to take us to covenant relationship. Come on, leaders, worship team, come on. And I want the rest of the church, come on, join in behind them right now. Come on, follow them. Come find a place. Genuflect this morning. I need some music back there or something, I guess.
Dustin. If you can't bow, come sit on the front with us. But come and take some time. Jamie, when you feel comfortable, the worship team is going to lead us in a final song. When they, when they get comfortable, when they're done with their praying. But I don't want anybody, don't you finish, don't you start praying, don't you start singing until you finish praying. God, God, we repent. I've been running, we repent, God, for trying to Lord, skipping steps. Sees, God, that's I've doing it our working, way. You taught us how to approach you, God. Out of my skip a step. Knees.